what is the strangest thing you've experienced in a restaurant? <laughs> strangest thing I've experienced in a restaurant. Okay, when I lived in Asia, uh, we ate all sorts of delicious things in Asia, but we went to this one restaurant that was a uh, literally anything you could order, they had it. So they had, uh, I was standing there with my infant daughter and <laughs> next to a tank, I hadn't looked in it. And there, you know, there's fish, there's all sorts of things everywhere. Turtles, sharks. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really fancy restaurant also. It wasn't like some yeah. weird dive restaurant, right? It was for a friend's birthday. So it's like a big deal. We're all dressed up. And then I, still, I started hearing this like thumping sound next to me, like bump, bump, oh. bump. And I'm like, what is going on? And I see one of the waiters keeps going up to the glass and going like, like this? Or like, uh, he's like leaning toward it and going like, like making noises and then this bump is happening i'm like what is happening i'm holding my daughter i turn around the corner it is a it is a uh like a vivarium right it's all glass of cobras and the guy is agitating them and they're striking the glass like six inches from my face when i come oh. around the corner i was like oh no like i am standing in the wrong place <laughs> with my infant daughter uh yeah so that was a that was a really surreal moment. I don't know if it would have been as weird if I didn't know I was kind of chilling next to the Cobras, but uh, yeah, that was a, a special restaurant moment for sure. Nice, nice. <laughs> cobras <laughs> at a restaurant. I think that's going to be pretty hard that's to beat. It's pretty hard to beat. It is pretty hard to beat. <laughs> All right, Kimberly. Well, mine is uh, way less um, exotic, but still a subculture of a sort. I was a waitress when I was in the second half of college. Uh -oh. So I have a whole list of strange restaurant experiences. I bet. But I once served a 40 person table who were all from the same church after mm. a evangelism revival meeting. Oh no. So there were 23 separate checks at this table. They're all having oh, like pie no. and coffee and every single person tried to evangelize to me <laughs> before I would take by their giving, order. By giving you a really large tip. No, no, you're skipping <laughs> to the end of this story. But at, at the end oh, of no. this three hour, it. 40 person table, oh, there was no. only change on the table. Oh no. And when, when I counted it up, it was less than $3. It's the only time I think I've ever cried in waitressing. So rude. But oh, I had to gosh. start. You know, you go from one person to the next, you say, okay, what can I get for you? You know, you have a big table, you're trying to go really fast. But I had to start going, hi, I'm Kimberly. I know Jesus. I go to church. What can I get for you? Because <laughs> they just would not. <laughs> and then even then they were like, well, what church do you go to? Is it a good church? You know? And I was like, please just tell me what you want. And then the, the tip was embarrassing, like abysmal. All I could think at the time was thank God none of my coworkers got this table of Christians <laughs> because it's such a terrible witness. So wow. if you're a Christian, tip your waiter or waitress, as the case yeah, may be. But really? it was very, it was a very strange experience for me. <laughs> That's what uh, I love when someone tries to. Have you seen those million dollar bill? Uh, oh, the worst. Have I seen them? Tracks. As a waitress for three years, we received them. Oh my gosh, yes, it's the, the worst, worst thing you could do. I know. Do not you get all excited. You're leaving a you're twenty dollar like... bill. Oh, and then it's, it's money. Just, oh, it's like and then on the, the back, it says something head. like, this is better than money. And you're like, well, yeah, the worst. could have left some money too, I guess. Right. 
Like if you're going to leave a tract, you better leave a 20 also. Yeah, that's right. And that's assuming it's like a casual dining. If you're in a finer dining, you're going to need the mm-hmm. 100 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how about you? All right, so I was a manager for an all-night diner. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, hmm. Huh. And so while I also had many crazy experiences, um, I think probably one of one, well, I, I'll, uh, I'll do just two real quick. I used to do backflips for tips. He did. What? Oh, so I would tip that. So yes. Right. Right. And, uh, and then the, the other really fascinating experience that I had was I had a, a group of five strippers that would come in after shift, uh, you know, once a week, and we would sit down and we would talk for probably two, sometimes three hours, you know, just about, you know, just about stuff. And it was amazing because they're you know, like, you talk to us like we're real people. I'm like, that's because you are real people. <laughs> so you can do that when you're at an all night diner and it's 3 a.m. and they're the only table. Right. Like you can just like pull up a seat and hang out if they want you to. Yeah, true, yeah. true. <laughs> that's a very, a, a good, a broad range of stories. Broad really. range, right? Yeah, Cobras, nice. Strippers. Christians. Christians. <laughs> Got it all. Got it all. Got it all. <laughs> and so to funny. our listeners, welcome to the Kimberly and Coach Show, where we bring you actionable practices you can use in your leadership and collaboration today. I'm Coach. Kimberly is right next to me today <laughs> with us is a, a guest I'm super excited to introduce you to. <laughs> if you haven't already heard of him, Matt Michelados, <laughs> author extraordinaire, social media maven, and all-around cool guy. Matt, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Oh, it's my, it's my huge pleasure. It's really fun to get some time with you guys. Well, Matt is a prolific author of 11 books and a ton of short stories and articles published over his career. He's also a podcaster with the fascinating podcast, and Matt is what we call a diner author. <laughs> diner. Huh? Yes. Yes. I've got a copy yes. as well. Yes. Oh, my name's even on the cover. It, it is. Yeah. That's not right easy to get in cover. most magazines, but look at that. <laughs> I pulled it off. So a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away called Chicago, Kimberly and I ran a small publishing company. And we continually received a ton of uh, weird sci-fi fiction for yeah. this very literary journal. And so me and a bunch of other people decided to put together the Midnight Diner. And Matt was uh, actually a contributor in two editions, the first and seconds. Uh, nice. The first one as an author. And the second one, he helped me out as a story editor. And so <laughs> really uh, coming into the clutch. So. Uh, this is very back in the day. This like, is way back in the day. This was 2007. Seven? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was awesome. Uh, just a great fun project. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, uh, we sold out, by the way, of all the diners. There are no, I don't think you can even buy one, except it's maybe on Amazon Kindle, maybe. Um, wow. Yeah, they're, they're all gone like a decade ago. <laughs> collectible, collectible. <laughs> right? Totally collectible. Yeah. And so, um, so that's where we encountered Matt, but we were talking today and we realized that this was actually, after all of that interaction, our first actual face-to-face conversation per se, <laughs> which seems yeah. weird. It's really well, weird. Yeah. I think we talked on the phone one time, right? And that wasn't 
super long ago comparatively, but yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, back in the diner days, I'm not sure video conferencing was like a simple thing. I you could mm-hmm. do it, but it was going to take some effort. You know, everything was still in the phone world. <laughs> yeah, we talked on actual True. phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that were connected to the wall. It's very confusing. Right? Yeah, and so <laughs> since that time, over the last 15 years, all of all three of our lives have taken a lot of twists and turns, and we have been kind of interested in watching leaders that we admire in different areas and kind of drawing out how they lead and figuring out what are the practices, what are the insights and nuggets that people could take into their leadership. And the reason your name came up recently was that we really enjoy the way that you interact on social media. And when you think about leadership, you often think about CEOs and VPs and, you know, managers, you don't necessarily think about keyboard cowboys and, Nikki and Minaj. <laughs> that's <laughs> some kind of leadership, <laughs> Nikki Minaj's cousins, friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, do you think Matt, that it's even worth trying to lead in the social media space? Do you think that's a, that leadership is a thing in that space? Is it even a good idea to try? What are your thoughts yeah. about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think what's happening for us in our culture right now is social social media is relatively new, right? Uh, and you're seeing younger generations that are they don't know any different. To them, it's normal. They know how to interact. And then you know, probably my generation, Gen X and up, there's a lot of confusion around it. And a lot of it is because we think of social media as a literate way of communicating, but it's not. It's actually oral <laughs> communication. Uh, that's why Instagram, right, is mostly about pictures or TikToks about videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's actually true of things like Facebook or Twitter as well, because what you're looking at is it has the oral pieces where there's an expectation of interaction, right. uh, yeah. that it's not just I write something and 30 years later, you read my book and you can't interact with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see people who are doing it well are leaning into the oral pieces but then it also has literary parts where you can pull up someone's tweet from 2007 and say like, <laughs> maybe they shouldn't be directing a Disney movie, right? Um, right? And we're just not, we're not used to navigating something that's a hybrid of literary and oral. And so I think some of the older generations are going, well, maybe this isn't even worth it. Huh. Um, but the fact is that uh, it's absolutely worth it. We just need to engage with it in, in the way that it works best. Uh, which is not as a one-way communication tool, but as a way of uh, encouraging conversations. Yeah. Yeah. One of my mentors always talked about leadership as a, per- a person who can move someone from here to there. You know, you're trying to uh-huh. shift the way that someone's uh-huh. thinking or you're trying to move them in one way or another. And I do think whether or not we intend it, the way that we interact with people in the social media space does have an effect on people. We see it all over the place. And so I think it's worth personally being careful with how we're using the tool Mm. because whether we mean to or not, whether Nicki Minaj means to or not, her words are affecting the the course of Mm -hmm. people's choices, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we've actually seen you engage with people in social uh, and sometimes despite the fact and sometimes because of you disagree <laughs> and so because i know that's like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's like uh-oh. i disagree with that yeah right right there um 
because I mean, I know that personally I have deleted so many responses, you know, yeah. right before I'm like, okay, do I hit? Nope. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, what's your secret to staying classy when embroiled in social media discourse? Because <laughs> staying classy, I, I feel like, you know, you, you do exhibit a level of class that I aspire to. <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay, so I think there's two things. And one coach you've already mentioned, uh, like when you're talking about the strippers coming into the diner, right, <laughs> is just remembering that the person you're interacting with is human. Yeah, almost always, right? Occasionally, you're going to get some sort of bot or something. But yeah. almost always, yeah. this is a human being. <laughs> uh, even a human being who comes in with bad intent, like say they're whatever, they're hired to come cause problems about this or that topic. The fact is, there's still a human being behind that. And yeah. if you can remember that and keep pushing toward that, mm. a lot of times I end up having really good conversations with people who came into the conversation intending harm. Uh, and yeah. we can go to like, okay, why is that? Why are you doing that? Why are you behaving in this way? Why are you saying these things, telling them the consequences of what's happening? Um, and I think showing compassion there. So like the, um, the conversation right now about COVID, right? Uh, there's a lot of huge disagreements and it's literally a life and death kind of disagreement. So wherever you fall on the question, being able to make sure that the communication is actually about wanting the other person's good, uh, even if we disagree, right? Sometimes that means taking a conversation private too. Like I, uh, I was interacting with someone on that topic that I realized part of what was happening is they had an audience watching them. And I said, let's just talk privately. And privately, it was a completely different conversation. Yeah. Huh. So, so that's one piece. And then, um, yeah, I, I think the other thing that's really important is, uh, so I think of my social media presence as uh, I'm a host, okay? So uh, like I'm in my living room, yes? And I've invited all my friends over. And they disagree with each other. I've got some atheist friends. I've got some Christian friends. I've got some gay friends who are atheists. I have some gay friends who are Christian, mm -hmm. right? And you, and all different other things, Buddhist friends, Baha'i friends, whatever, <laughs> Democrats and Republicans, and whoa, even some whoa. libertarians. Whoa. Uh, anyway, people from now. other countries, right. Who don't understand some of the conversation, whatever it is. If I have all these people in my physical living room and I'm the host, you know, if someone says like, I hate you, you're a jerk. I would step in. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't, don't talk that way to my friend. Uh, if someone didn't understand something, I'd be patient with them. Uh, and yeah, if someone's really behaving badly, I would say, you know, you're not really welcome in this conversation at this time. Why don't you go home and you can come back next Friday for the barbecue, you know? Uh, so I think that's part of it too, is like, if I'm, it, it puts the responsibility on me to yeah. control the tone of our conversation and to step in and mediate when my friends are having issues. Um, and when you're a good host, what happens is your guests begin to know what's expected of them. And that's not always clear in social media. Yeah. So as they know what's expected of them, they begin to expect it of themselves and each other. So they start to self-regulate some of those things as well. Mm -hmm. um, so my Facebook uh, feed is a great example where I can say very controversial things uh, and people who badly disagree with each other can come and mostly, mostly, not always, but mostly have pretty good conversations with each other. They don't necessarily agree at the end, right? Yeah, 
but they're able to be respectful, uh, which I think is a big deal mm -hmm. in this climate today, for sure. Yeah. You know, Matt, I love the metaphor that you're making. And I think one thing about social media that is a bit different than a gathering inside of our living room is that it's far more likely someone who wasn't invited is going to show. <laughs> that definitely happens. <laughs> with, it's like uh, maybe you have everyone in the backyard and no fence, right? And people right, are walking right. by and saying like, oh, you have thoughts about politics? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, sometimes people are coming in specifically, like you said, with the goal of causing harm. And you can sure. sometimes take that and turn it and make it into a productive conversation. But I will tell you from my perspective, I have to be careful because I've I get really easily exhausted in those conversations. Like, why are you even here? You know? Right. And so right. I was wondering, what is your criteria for choosing to say, like, you're not welcome in this conversation. <laughs> when do you block someone? Ben has yeah. very specific criteria about that. Uh-huh. What's that? Yeah. Death threats. Death threat. <laughs> so, that's so a good like line. Death threats come into the conversation. It's like block button, baby. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like right. my, my block button is a little bit more sensitive. I'm like, uh, no, no, <laughs> like, let's just be done. So yes, you, I so... can handle this with a grace that I find myself uh, incapable of engaging. I will just exit myself, but then I'm sure, kind of that's... leaving my own living room. Like, well, have at it. Peace out. That's not, well, that's a legitimate <laughs> strategy. Actually. That's okay. I think I, so I have kind of a, an escalation chart almost really. So, right. uh huh. Yeah. So I will uh, all tell people when they're misbehaving, I'm like, hey, that's not really welcome here. Or don't speak that way or, or, or like depending on your platform. So on Facebook, you can actually delete someone's comment if it's on right. your post. So right. I'll delete it and send them a note and say, uh, you know, you're welcome here, but you got to say it a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll do stuff like that. Like just coach them, let them know what's yeah. expected. Yeah, I, like um, I will. The other thing you can do on Facebook that I love is you can mute comments you can hide them. Uh, and when you do that, the only people who can see it are you, that person, and any mutual friends you have. So if someone says something that's not offensive, like they're not being mean, but it's just like, I'm not, this is not helpful. Uh, I might hide the comment. Or the other thing you get is your platform expands is people coming in who just want your audience. Uh, and when I get them, I'll hide them. And then I'll tell them, uh, Hey, I'd love to continue this conversation. I'm just letting you know that I'm hiding your comments. So it's just you and me and, and any of our mutual friends that can see it. And if they immediately go, well, you're, you're censoring me and I don't even want to have this conversation. I'm like, oh, well, so now we know why you were here, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If they want to keep talking, I'm like, okay, that's a sign of good faith. Mm. Uh, and then I block and I do block um, a, a decent amount, especially on Twitter, actually, Twitter is a little more like the old West where everyone's like, I'm just mm -hmm. going to say what I want. And they're all shooting their six shooters randomly in the air. Um, but blocking, I, so my rule is mental health. Uh, mm -hmm. not do I think that person has a mental issue, but rather, <laughs> uh, is it oh. mentally healthy for me to be in conversation with this person or to be seeing their content? Mm -hmm. And is it mentally healthy for them to be interacting or seeing my content? So I have people that'll be like really furious about anything I post. And I'm like, you know, I don't think it's good for them. Like they're just angry all the time. They're not getting anything out of it. They're not participating in my community. So why, why are we inviting them to this particular party? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then same thing sense. for me. So oftentimes it, it, it can be politicians. It can be people who are making their money off of like extreme political statements 
It can be just someone from my past that, you know, every time I see him, I feel bad. Like I'm angry <laughs> or I'm upset. It's like, well, I don't have any obligation yeah. right. to be in yeah. social media relationship with him. So sometimes it's people from work, you know, you're like, this is my private life, not my, uh, okay, I'm going to share this example. <laughs> in my job, I had someone report a uh, post I made about the Super Bowl to our HR department. Really? And I was like, you know what? You don't need to see any of my content ever. <laughs> so I just blocked them. Not, they didn't do anything mean, right? And they were, I think, well-intentioned, I think, in what they were trying to do. I disagree with them completely. Um, you know, my cousin blocked me. And uh, I'm like, good job, man. <laughs> it, it's okay. If every time yeah. you see me, it ticks you off, like, yeah, block me. I still know what's going on in your life. You know, my mom still tells me everything is fine. <laughs> right? So. Yeah, I have a number of people in my life that, for me to keep loving those people, it's helpful for me to hide their content from me. Yeah. Because the way they interact mm. with me personally is loving, but the way they interact online is, is, not. Does, is not for me. Yeah. And so rather than try to interact with that and change their interaction online, I can just know that I don't want to see it. And they don't know that I've hidden it from, from me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So. Right, right. Well, and that's, you know, depending again on your platform there, you can snooze people, you can mute them, do things like that. If there's a personal issue where you feel like blocking is too much, I often will send someone a note if we are actually in human relationship before I block them. Uh, and I'll just let them know, hey, this doesn't mean we're not friends in real life. But the only time you ever comment on my posts is when there's politics. You never say like, your bunny's really cute. <laughs> and so I'm getting a picture of you that is uh, different than what I want. And I don't enjoy it. So we can still grab coffee, but I'm blocking right. you on social media. Uh, and, you know, how I have that, one guy. How has that been received for you? Uh, surprisingly well I, okay. for most people. Not like it's never had a bad response, but a lot of people see that. I think a lot of people don't understand how to make boundaries in their social media, which is why they're furious on social media all the time. <laughs> so when you give them an example of boundaries and they're like, oh, I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course. And one guy that I did this, I didn't know him very well. And it was really more of a coaching moment when I wrote him because I didn't have a relationship with him. I just said, look, this is the only way you interact on my posts. I don't think it's healthy for you or for me. Uh, he wrote me three months later. And he said, yeah, I've been thinking about my social media and you're right. All I talk about is my politics. That's what I use social media for. And I realized that that's not who I am as a person. It's just who I am online. And I want to bring more of who I am as a person onto oh, Facebook. So cool. if you would unblock me, I'd love to get to know you better. I was like, cool, let's try it. And I ended up blocking him again eventually, <laughs> but, but forward, forward <laughs> steps, right? forward yeah. motion move in the right direction yeah that's that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you still just gotta block him i mean you know he's but, learning uh, right and, and he I just wasn't at a place where it was mentally healthy for either of us to continue to interact we we're just making yeah. each other angry mm -hmm. i do think there is a contingent and it's, it's not most people but there's a contingent who use super media or so, social media to expand their anger and stoke their anger because yeah. it's serving them in some way. I've recently became aware of there's accounts on Twitter that their whole purpose is to 
share content for people to go after the the creator of that content like um, there's one that is it's called something like this didn't happen and so when they post something that they think someone made up then there's like an army of people that go after that person to say you're lying about your experience right and they see that as like their crusade they they feel like there's a purpose in it um i have a friend who who was like targeted by that and for a couple of weeks their social media was insane just yeah violently insane towards them um because someone took issue with it and there's there's there are some areas and arenas where the whole purpose is anger and i think it's useful to be aware of that and realize you don't owe anybody your response you know like some people, they want to stay angry, but you don't have to. That's right. Join them in well, that. Um, you know, there are yeah. two Facebook groups, two that I know of, that are dedicated to me, uh, <laughs> and to uh, talking about how terrible I am. Uh, they're oh, both secret dude. groups, but almost any post I put, if unless it's about my rabbit, again, they don't oh, care about that one. So I want to see your rabbit. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's like ten pounds. He's amazing. He has a very uh, long tail, as I discovered yesterday. Last yeah, that's right. Today? That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, his name is Bruce. Um, yeah, so they, what they do is they put my posts into their secret Facebook group, and they just go through and talk about how terrible I am and uh, and discuss how stupid I am, right? Which, wow. again, is not the purpose of social media. It's not a conversation with me. It is uh, gossip designed to make you feel good. It's like the people who get invited to the party and instead go across the street and smoke cigarettes and talk about how stupid the party is, right? Ah. You're not partying at that point. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. And, you know, I get screenshots occasionally from some of the people in it, which is what? hilarious. <laughs> Why? Um, well, I think it's one of are those things. Where they, are they in it to spy? Yeah, it's like a couple people who are my friends accidentally got invited, you know, kind of thing. So, but that, yeah. that's true. There's bad that behavior. That how you know you've arrived. Like no one, no oh one has a gosh. social media about me. You know, I have friends I who have really, really big <laughs> social media presences. And as you get more and more people who don't know you and you're getting bigger, this is increasingly common because yeah. relationship helps us contextualize with people we yeah. disagree with, right? Yep. Like my mom and dad vote differently than me, but that doesn't change my feelings toward them, right? Right. Um, for me personally, it does for some families, that's fine. Um w- so I have friends that use something called blockchain that will go through. And if they find one account, they dislike that is like harassing them or sending death threats coach that they uh, use blockchain and it blocks anyone that follows that person too. So just because they're like, if you follow this person, you're in some way complicit and I can't deal. And I think that's mentally healthy too. I mean, especially as you're getting, you know, this is someone that has, I don't know, 400,000 followers on Twitter or something. Right on. Um, wow. But yeah, that's, that's, I have a friend who's a, a, like a swimsuit model on Instagram. Like I met her when she was a college kid in a Christian group and uh, she gets really gross, weird notes yeah, from people constantly, as you would yeah. expect. Uh, and people stealing her photos to try and, you know, get money from people and like all this yeah. kind of stuff. So there's a lot of bad actors out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think being safe and being healthy is kind of a key determiner on how you interact with folks and people who shut off their social media. I think that's a valid decision too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. 
All right. So Matt, this has been awesome. I think so many people need to need to hear the these big ideas and these ideas around permissions and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get this out to as many people as we can. But as we bring today's conversation in for landing, how can our listeners engage with you and your projects, um, you know, social, you name it? Yeah. So I'm a big believer, me personally, I know not everyone can do this, but I'm a big believer in uh, transparency online and using my actual name. So if you can spell my name, which I realize <laughs> is a lot to ask, uh, you can find me on any social media I'm on. I don't have secret accounts. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on um, MySpace, uh, but I never yes. you know, I haven't checked it in 14 years or something. Um, <laughs> I think my profile might be a picture of Mr. T, so you'll know you found me. Um, <laughs> and then the, we'll never hear them. Yeah. Them. So those are uh, Twitter and Facebook are the places I'm at most. I'm on Instagram. You can go to my website, which is just Michelotis, my last name, Michelotis.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And my books, my most recent books. So I have one called Journey to Love, which is just reflections on how to be more loving in the world and how to receive more love. I think a lot of us struggle with that piece of it. Mm-hmm. And then I have a, a young adult fantasy trilogy that starts with a book called The Crescent Stone. Uh, so those are another couple of ways that you can, yeah, get a hold of some of my my material for sure. Awesome. We, awesome. We, it's been a little while, but we saw a post where someone was reading your book, but they were, they were going to say why they hated it. But then they were like oh, yeah. Shocked that they liked it. Oh, this and is so... a great example of the power of social media. Okay. <laughs> is that okay? Do we have time? Can I share just a we quick totally story? Do, yeah. Okay, cool. So this is on YouTube. Uh, it's hilarious. a young woman who was in evangelicalism and had a really mm-hmm. bad experience uh, and has since left evangelicalism and left the Christian faith. Um, so she has really strong feelings about it and really big wounds. Uh, and she started uh, <laughs> she started a video series where she was going through young adult novels by Christians and saying how awful they were. And so she was just, oh, just destroying this poor lady that uh, is with the same publisher as I am. And then she came to my books and she started looking at my social media and things like that. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the more progressive end, right? Like I'm, a, I'm definitely an Orthodox Christian but I'm on the more progressive end, uh, uh, theologically and politically. So she was like, what's going on? Do they know that this person, like, what, what is happening? She's really like, I don't understand. She, she actually did a live reading of a bunch of my tweets and, uh, I was watching it with one of my daughters and we were just <laughs> laughing. Like it was so, she's like, I can't believe this tweet. Listen to this. And she's like reading it. She's like, that's correct. Do these people know that they have someone that thinks this writing books for them? And I was just roaring with laughter. Yeah, and we I were, sent her a we note. We were laughing so hard. Oh my home. gosh. It was beautiful. I just sent her a note and I said, uh, I said, I love that you're about to destroy my book. Um, cause she hadn't read the book yet. And I said, there are probably going to be things you dislike. And after you're done just wrecking it, I would love to come on your show and just hear your critiques and have a conversation. I think it'd be super fun. And she wrote me a super nice note back and uh, we're connected on social media now. She, every once in a while, (laughs) comment on my Twitter or whatever. Really sweet uh, young woman. Did you go on her show? No, I don't. I... I think it might've taken some of the fun out of destroying my book that she knew, oh, me, you think? to be honest. <laughs> uh, 
so <laughs> not that there aren't things to destroy there i'm sure you could <laughs> um oh so or, or she's just been busy who knows but uh <laughs> but that's the that's the power of social media right yeah. is that you can move into these places where you're in disagreement with someone in some way like i hate your book and you're like oh it's the best i could do um and, <laughs> and instead you can move to a place of relationship where you know what there's lots of my friends and family who don't like my books or haven't read them it doesn't mean we don't love each other uh you know i don't like the books they're reading either so <laughs> it's fine they're not part of my audience they're my family right um yeah so i think that's yeah that's part of the power for sure of social media for good nice nice love it and uh is there a i heard a, I heard a rumor of a of a television show of some kind or yeah that, that's probably something we could only kind of vague cast about right i mean we yeah can't i really... can say a little bit about it i think okay um yes. my so years ago one of the first places i was ever published was coach's midnight diner which is pretty awesome i think it might be the second place i ever got a paycheck from for writing a story yes. uh, so it's pretty cool <laughs> Um, and, uh, as of this year, I've made a transition to full-time freelance writing. So I'm making my, my living off of writing. And that's largely because I've shifted into moving or writing TV and movies. So I, uh, I sold a movie script, uh, that I worked on together with a producer friend to Sony. Hey. Uh, they were, they are likely going to put it on a, uh, a streaming channel of some sort. Um, but that starts filming in November. Oh, and, cool. Uh, cool. and then I was invited on to a TV show that my friend's the showrunner on. He asked me in. So I wrote a couple episodes for that. And that starts filming uh, next week in Spokane, Washington. And should be, so both of those should be available somewhere uh, by, oh, I'm guessing by summer next year at the latest. Oh, so cool. pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I can't I love wait it. to watch. <laughs> awesome. So Matt, again, thanks so much for hanging out with us. This has been incredible. And to you, our dear listener, thanks for tuning in to the Kimberly and Coach Show, where we endorse fresh coffee at all night diners with friends and loved ones. <laughs> we'll see you next time. All right. So you just listened to one of my favorite authors. It's so fun. <laughs> And uh, so, I mean, he is one of my favorite, even though I published him, right? <laughs> well, it doesn't hurt. I mean, we, we hurt, feel like right? a little personal connection. We do, we do. Yeah, but so. it's also been really cool to see his work grow over 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the work yeah. that he's doing now is just so, so cool. So, yeah, it's been, it's been super fun to, mm -hmm. to, to know that I was one of the first people who recognized Matt's genius, <laughs> just as an FYI. So anyway... <laughs> but let's talk about, um, we were talking about social media and there are a couple of practices that we want to draw out as we yes. close this episode. And so what really stood out to you? What really stood out to me is Matt's permission crafting Yes. in social media, because mm -hmm. even now, like you all know that, that Kimberly and I are team dynamics consultants. Mm -hmm. And what we see all the time in teams are people who don't understand the permissions, especially when they're brand new. Yeah. Yeah. And when patient permissions are not stated, it takes a while if permissions are not stated 
It takes a while for permissions to kind of grow on people to know what's what, where's where, what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And I think that- What do you mean when you're saying permissions? So, I mean, what's, what is allowed inside of a group, right? right? What's allowed inside of a team? So it's kind of similar to conversations around boundaries, but boundaries tend to have to do with what's allowed in interaction with you. Right. Whereas we talk about permissions as what's allowed inside of a certain social structure, like a workplace, like a social media mm-hmm. event, you know, things like that. So what, what is going to, to be allowed here and what is not going to be allowed for this group of people? And they're, they always exist. Right. Permissions always exist, but a lot of times they aren't stated. Mm-hmm. And so when you come into a group, you might kind of make a few wrong moves and then it becomes clear from the looks that you get or from the way people respond that like you've kind of stepped in it there. We don't do that here. Right. But in groups that function well, that will be an opportunity to state the permission. Like one of the permissions that I love is, you know, from Brene Brown, we do not correct with shame. You know, to have like, we don't, we don't have a culture of shame here. So when something goes sideways, we correct, but not through shaming. And so you can have coachable moments if you are able to state the permissions. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about permissions. Mm -hmm. So how did Matt kind of talk about that? So Matt talked about how you can, as people are in a party and in a set of a group of friends, they start Mm -hmm. to get to know Mm -hmm. what your permissions are. Right. So like when Kimberly and I used to uh, throw parties for 60 to 90 of our closest <laughs> friends, uh, when we worked for uh, an organization called Community Life back in Chicago, when we threw parties, we got to, we got to the point where people understood what the permissions were. One of the permissions mm-hmm. was everyone's greeted at the door. Mm-hmm. Everyone know, then is then introduced us to one or two other people. And, and from there, the permissions started to grow out and people start to do that exact thing. And they start to model those permissions mm-hmm. for each other. Uh, and before too awful long, you had an aggregate of people start to become an actual community. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the permissions that Matt brought out in terms of the social media space is that just like if you had a party in your living room, if someone was speaking to your friend in a way that was inappropriate, you would say like, hey, don't speak to my friend Hold that way. Up. And so when you are the host of a party and you do that, What it shows people is in this space, you can say, hey, I don't like the way that you said that to me. And you model that permission. You're you're not only setting a boundary and a permission for the space, but you're also modeling that you can say, if you continue to interact with me in this way, then we're going to have to opt out of this conversation. And it gives people permission to interact in a respectful way Mm -hmm. and to call it out when the interaction is not respectful. Right. And but also, I think Matt's intentionality mm-hmm. too. I think in crafting these permissions and being aware of that, mm-hmm. I think is also a real solid takeaway here for all leaders. Is that they, we do need to have those intentions, and mm-hmm. they should be clear about the permissions we're allowing inside of our organization. Yeah, and it goes without saying that then you have to abide by those expectations. <laughs> yeah, you because, also have to do those things. <laughs> yeah, you are modeling what is permissible the most as the leader, right? People are, right. Are, are watching you to see how we do things here. So your expectations for yourself have to match up with your expe- expectations mm-hmm. for your people. Yeah. So I liked how his, like his, his uh, permission building mm-hmm. works just as well in social as it does in real life. Yep. So I love that. What about you? Yeah, that, that would definitely be my first one. I would just also add that he had a very specific practice in terms of making sure that you're interacting with people well. And it was around remembering 
that you are interacting about something specific on social media, but this is a whole human being and you don't necessarily see the context of their story, of their right. woundedness, mm-hmm. of their, you know, like the, the way they would interact outside of this conversation, which may be about politics or maybe about a controversy. Um, and so as you are interacting with them to not allow them to just become a symbol of something or a caricature, but to remember that that is a human being. And when you cause harm online, you are causing harm to a human being. Right. And when you are loving online and you surprise people by, by showing care, that is a human being who is being affected by you. So, Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's it for our show, my friends. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.